parents, and I know that we have our little ones with us, and they'd be getting a little bit squirrely if they aren't, the parents are, but I do want to uh, just share a couple words by way of reminding us this morning that today we are recognizing the International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, and um, we'll say more about that this evening. We have prayer at 6 o'clock, the altar, and we're going to be breaking down the evening to pray for various areas of our brothers and sisters who suffer for their faith around the world, but today we're just taking a few moments, maybe I have a bit of lights over here to see my notes would be great um, but we want to recognize uh, people around the world by the hundreds of thousands about 250,000 a year uh, who suffer different forms of persecution for no other reason than they name the name of Jesus uh, very simply people who love and follow Jesus Christ and for that reason uh, they go through many terrible things you may ask well what is persecution it takes place on different levels uh, in the more severe cases uh, again, by the thousands, there are many around the world today who are viciously attacked and tortured, who are imprisoned, and uh, who suffer the threat of death, and many do die, but if they don't deny their faith, then they, then they face certain death. Uh, we've seen that on the news this last couple of years, this last year in particular, with groups like ISIS, of course, and uh, Boko Haram in, uh, in Nigeria, and of course, over in the Middle East. But in less severe cases, uh, Christians are, are oftentimes ridiculed, they're marginalized, and for the simple fact that they follow Christ. And many, of course, in some countries uh, suffer, uh, whether on the personal level, when it comes to their careers, uh, the businesses. For example, in Pakistan, it's not, un it's not uncommon that if you have a neighbor, for example, who's a Muslim, not picking on Muslims, but being a Muslim country, uh, an individual can very simply bring an accusation against you that uh, has no, f no basis in truth, can simply say that you have in some way mocked or insulted Islam or Mohammed, and uh, you will be brought on trial. The problem is in Pakistan, you as a Christian are not allowed to appear in the court. And so all they have to do if they want your house or if they want your business, they bring this accusation, you go to court, you can't speak, the accusations are brought against you, and then you are found guilty and you lose your home, you lose your business, and is taken over by the person who has accused you. And those are things that very simply believers uh, endure in various places around the world. Persecution and the persecuted church, uh, I think for a lot of us, is kind of a distant thought because many of us assume that it's only something that happens in lands far, far away that really has nothing to do with us and is kind of completely unrelated. But persecution, I believe with all my heart, is coming to our land. In fact, if you have any sensitivity at all, as a believer, you recognize that the germination is already there of persecution in North America, and we are seeing it in various forms. Uh, Pastor George Wood is the General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God of the United States, and he wrote an article actually before the U.S. election warning Christians of the threats to religious freedom that are now upon us. And he warned believers, as we have said from our pulpit here on many occasions, that many believers in North America are kind of like the frog in the kettle. And the, the analogy simply is this, that if you put a frog in a kettle of water that's lukewarm or cold, it will stay there. But when you turn the burner up as the water gets hot, because it's gradual, the frog will remain in the pot. If it was hot water, it would jump right out. But because it's gradually heating up, the frog will stay in the pot until eventually it's cooked alive and it dies. And for a lot of believers, that's kind of the same thing. We tend to see um, things taking place, uh, not just over, around the world, but here at home, and we don't tend to give a lot of thought to it. We don't tend to kind of really worry about it, but we need to understand, not in a paranoid way, but we need to understand the climate in our culture is changing. 
Now, the body of Christ and true Christians who follow Christ have always been, through Christ, the answer to every society. But the fact of the matter is there is a world spirit, Jesus warned, that hated him and crucified him. And that same world spirit is in our culture today. And Jesus said, if the world hated me, that world spirit hated me, you will be hated too if you were a follower of mine. And so we see those things changing in our culture today. There's four basic steps I want to give to you really quickly uh, that have brought us to where we are today. And if nothing changes, will result in a more open persecution of uh, believers and of our faith here in Canada and the United States. The first one is this. It's called caricature. Caricature very simply is this. It's a picture or an image that is created and propagated in a culture against a certain, uh, a certain people group. So we're talking about the persecuted church today, so we know that happens in various ways sometimes. But one of the things you'll notice in the media today, uh, especially in the, in the liberal media, of course, is that all Christians are basically presented as hateful, bigoted. Uh, we heard the term in the election uh, this past couple of months, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic. That essentially is the caricature that is drawn in a secular culture of what Christians are. The problem with the caricature is that most times it bears no resemblance to the truth. Because the reality is for people who are truly followers of Christ, they are some of the most productive, some of the most positive contributing people in a workplace, in a neighborhood. Uh, They are the basic core, the base of volunteers uh, in our culture. There's a lot of things, good things that happen in our culture today that would not have happened, would never happen if it was not for people who respond to their fellow uh, citizens because of their love for God and their love for Christ. Won't get into it this morning, but your basic foundations, your institutions, hospitals, universities, all of these things were begun by Christians. We're people who saw the value of people and were led by God to elevate people's lives through these institutions. A lot of those things you kind of don't hear about today. So we kind of have that caricature uh, uh, taking place today, but it's being portrayed in a way that is, has no resemblance to, to reality. And the basic caricature, which we saw actually uh, in the response to the U.S. election, or whether you go right or left, I'm not interested in political opinion right now, but what's interesting is the response. The response is not just against a man. I want us to understand that in the U.S. election. The response has been against a philosophy. It's been against a worldview. That's really where the backlash is. There's a spirit that rises up and says, we do not want anyone leading our country, no matter what side it may be, who will tell us what is right and wrong. We don't want that. We want an amoral kind of existence, and we want to continue in this progressive way of thinking, which actually, when you look at it, is regressive. It's not progressive. It's regressive. And, and the nation continues to go in a way that eventually will self-implode. And so, again, regardless of your uh, political affiliation, that's not the issue this morning. But the point is, if you are somebody who stands up and says, no, no, there is truth in error. There is a right way. There is a way that works. And even if you do that in a loving, serving way, you still are portrayed oftentimes as intolerant and hateful. Now, once that caricature is well planted in the minds of our society, it, begins, it becomes easy to move on to the next thing, which is to marginalize. Uh, what to marginalize simply means, it means to block the access to believers to any positions of influence and to keep you relegated in smaller areas where you really don't have a voice anymore in our society. Now, this is not... Don't get me wrong, this is not something where I'm saying, hey, you know, get paranoid and this is the way things are going. But to point out, when we talk about persecution of the church, uh, what we see taking place very uh, 
outwardly in nations around the world today, that same spirit, that same current is at work within our own culture. We need to recognize that. So marginalization has to do, again, with kind of blocking access to peop uh, from people who in any way have maybe that moral stand or in particular a Christian stand. Um, we say at Glad Tidings here that we are to pray for our leadership. You know my heart when it comes to our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. Uh, God's put a love in my heart for this man. I pray for him, and I ask us to pray for him. But on, uh, I think even unbeknownst to himself, as far as uh, the spirit that he propagates, I found it interesting last year, you may recall that even our own Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, he made it clear that if you're going to be a candidate, if you're going to be a candidate for political position in their party, then you must be pro-abortion. You must be same-sex marriage. You must be uh, in accord with these uh, particular things that they believe, and you're not allowed to speak against it. You are not allowed to oppose it. Now, if you are an existing MP, to use our, our, our Prime Minister's words, he says you will be respected to a certain extent. That's interesting. You will be respected to a certain extent. But if you're contemplating a life in politics and you are a Christian, you are a Christian in your views, then you need not bother applying for the party. Now, what's interesting is that tolerance and diversity are the new mantras of our culture, but I believe it's only a smokescreen. Because the reality is that Christians who give voice to their conviction are being increasingly forced out of the public area, arena rather, and being relegated more to smaller places where their influence is not really felt. You can have a voice, but you can kind of go over there. The next step uh, along the line is first is caricature, the second is marginalization, that's a long word to say, and the third is discrimination. Uh, it was just a year ago, and again, I'm just sharing these things to give you a sense of, of, of that mindset that's very much that spirit that's at work in our culture. It was only a year ago that our own university here in town, Crandall University, and universities across Canada, and the Western, uh, Western Canada in particular, they were criticized for their stand on some moral issues. But not only were they criticized, they were quite overtly threatened basically with losing uh, their accreditation because of their views of same-sex marriage, because of their views of gender identity. It was also suggested, you may recall in the news last year, that students not be uh, admitted into graduate schools and that law students not be permitted to practice law in Canada if they hail from universities who discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation and identity. So these are just things that are taking place in our culture. It's not to be paranoid because the Church of Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ is still the answer for Canada and still the answer for our society. But we need to understand when we talk about praying for our brothers and sisters around the world who are being persecuted, we need to understand that it's not just something happening far, far away that we have no relation to or connection to because if we continue down the road we are on, the fact is schools will eventually be forced to either accept standards imposed on them or go to business, and students will have to accept those same standards or risk not being employed. And so once you have made a caricature of somebody, you may remember in Nazi Germany, how were the Jews portrayed? They were portrayed as rats, as rodents, right? As the scum of society, as the problem for all the issues. So once you move from caricature of somebody, you go on to marginalization, there's that word again, you go on to discrimination, and then you persecute them with little or no opposition from the general population. That's essentially uh, the track that every culture has moved down through the ages. So what we see is nothing new. But here's a scripture in Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, the writer says, Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own 
bodies. What the scriptures want us to understand is this. Whether you uh, are a Christian in Canada or the other side of the world, God reminds us that all of us are part of the same body. Do we understand that this morning? We're not just the part of the body of Christ of glad tidings. We are part of the larger body of Christ around our world. And how many have experienced this? We talked about El Salvador and other places. How many have experienced that you go somewhere around the world, let's say even another part of Canada, but let's, you know, even halfway around the world, you, move, you go into a church service and you worship with fellow believers, and it's just like your home. It's the same Holy Spirit who is there, Right? as who's here. There's just that instant fraternity. And we understand that is by the Spirit of God. Well, if that is true of our fellowship, that God can make us one, that we can connect, we can relate to one another, we can experience God's presence together, what I want us to understand this morning is that by the same Holy Spirit, we are able to share in the suffering, in the persecution, we are able to share in the heaviness and the load that our brothers and sisters experience around the world if we will allow the Holy Spirit to show us. If we will not just be distant and say, well, that happens far, far away, but to say, Lord, if I'm part of the body, then help me, as your word says, help me to feel a little bit of the suffering, a little bit of the weight, a little bit of the, of the, of the trials and difficulties that my brothers and sisters experience, that I might be able to come alongside and be a part of their support. Very important. On this day of remembrance, and, and the kids are coming back in just a moment to uh, close us off with one more drama related to the persecuted church. But on this day of remembrance for the persecuted church, I believe the Lord just simply wants to remind us that we need to be there for each other as members of the same body. We need to care for one another, for brothers and sisters who are suffering in ways that we are not. We need to thank the Lord that we're born into a land where we experience all these freedoms, but also recognize that with the freedom comes responsibility to do what we can to lighten the load of those who are in our family. I would also suggest the fact, the fact that they are suffering in these last days is a warning to you and me as the same body of Christ that we too one day will suffer at the hands of the same world spirit. We need to understand that the world spirit is not confined to Indonesia and North Korea and all those other places. That same spirit, Jesus says, is coming to the world and even now is in the world and it's active even in our own culture and it's growing. So we need each other. We need to help each other. How can we help each other? Two things quickly. Number one, we can defend. The persecuted church needs us to speak on their behalf. Do we understand that most of our brothers and sisters who suffer, they suffer in a condition where they are helpless to change their situation? They have no power within themselves, no, no resources to make a difference, no one that hears their voice. We need to be that voice. Proverbs says, open your mouths and defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. You, you, heard, you get a uh, bulletin, I believe. You all got your bulletin when you came in for the persecuted church. On the back page, you'll notice that there's websites there. In the very last one on the bottom, you can go there. There are petitions that you can sign online, and there are also ways of showing you how you can plead the cause of the persecuted church. So we need to defend, do our part to defend our brothers and sisters. And lastly, we need to pray. We're promised in the word of God that the prayers of God's people, the prayers of people who truly know Jesus Christ, are powerful. The cry of the persecuted church around the world is three simple words. Pray for us. That's their cry. 
They're not asking for money. They're not asking for all the things that we think we need in this materialistic culture. They're saying, listen, we just need you to pray for us. We need you to pray that we'll have courage to stand if we're called to stand. We need you to pray for us in times of, of persecution or, 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 or violence against us that if God wills that we're able to escape, that our children are able to escape and live. We need you to pray for us that God would miraculously provide for us, whether it's food or resources. We need you to pray. And here's the key, saints, and I'm done with this. But we need to remember this. If we can experience the same Holy Spirit in fellowship as we travel around the world, we need to understand that same Holy Spirit is able to bring us together as one and supernaturally in ways we may never see until we get to heaven, he is able to supernaturally do things through us for brothers and sisters around the world if we'll just obey his prompting. Let me ask you this. When was the last time you bowed your head and you felt prompted by the Holy Spirit and you just bowed your head and prayed for brothers and sisters? When was the last time you watched the news and you saw the, the horrific deeds of people like ISIS and, and, and Boko Haram and these kind of organizations and rather than just flicking the channel because you didn't want to watch it, you turned the TV off and you got on your knees and you cried out for your brothers and sisters? When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you allowed the Holy Spirit to wake you up from your nice comfortable bed and to go to your knees in prayer and allow him to break your heart? You see, the Holy Spirit will do that if you'll allow him. And this morning as the people of God, if we will say, Lord, I don't want this to be more information. I want it to be something that's just distant from me. Lord, move my heart. Change my heart. I don't care, but help me to care. I don't understand, but help me to understand. I don't see it, but help me to see it. I pray the next time I see something in the news, it won't just be a, a form of entertainment and a passing thought. I pray you'll break my heart. I pray, oh God, that I'll begin to cry. I'll begin to weep for my brothers and sisters. Why? Because if it was me, that's what I would want from them. I would want them to care. I would want them to pray. I would want them to go online if possible and do whatever they can to be our voice because nobody else hears us. We have sponsored a Christian uh, refugee family. And we're going to be talking more in the new year about reaching Muslims. I'm excited about it. God has given us a burden for reaching people uh, who are just bound in Islam and coming to Moncton. We're going to do that. But one of the reasons we have sponsored a Christian Syrian family is because many of the Christians who are suffering in the name of Jesus, who are refugees, who are fleeing from those war-torn countries, you know what? They can't even get into the refugee camps because they're Christians. And for the few who have gotten in the refugee camps, they sail across the sea. Many have been thrown into the ocean to die by the Muslims in the ships. Now, we're not anti-Muslim. God loves Muslims and wants to reach them. They need Jesus too. But what I want us to understand is in the midst of those things, you know why you didn't hear about that? Because the persecuted church has no voice. The world spirit silenced the voice in order that the persecution may continue. We need to be the voice. Do you hear me this morning? We need to be the voice. We need to care. We need to stand up and actually give. We need to care. Let me just say that. We need to care. Does that make sense this morning? I'm not preaching. I'm not going on along. But if I can just drive that point home. If you do nothing else when you leave this place this morning, would you just say, Jesus, just melt my rock-hard heart and help me to care. Help me to care. Help me to pray. Help me to do something you'd call me to do and not just dismiss this. I'm going to ask the King's Castle kids to come at this time. If you would take your uh, bulletin home with you, 
There are prayer points there. If you would join us tonight, even if you normally don't, if you would join us tonight for the altar, we are going to have a time of concentrated prayer on specific things this evening as we call out to the Lord. The young people are coming to close off our service with a drama called Worth It All. And uh, may God bless you, boys and girls. You did a fantastic job today. Look forward to this last one. Amen. Thank you so much. We just stand with you this morning as we dismiss with prayer. And after we pray, I'm going to invite some of the King's Castle kids to come and stand along the front. And if you have a need this morning, they would love to pray with you. They would love to pray with you, and the Lord ministers powerfully through them. So we invite you to do that. So let's just go to prayer this, this morning. I trust you can join us tonight, but if not, would you just be in prayer today? Take some time to pray for our brothers and sisters. As you saw, all these things that took place in ages past through church history, the same things are happening today. Being stoned, being imprisoned, being crucified, being lit on fire on stakes, being martyred, gunshots, beheading. This is all taking place by the tens of thousands every year around the world today. And as a body of Christ, we can make a difference, not in just some political petition. We can make a difference on our knees petitioning God. And how many understand that the angels of the Lord encompass surround those who fear him? Amen. And we have the power through prayer and intercession to unleash the angels of God. Miraculous provision, miraculous deliverance. And for those whom God has chosen for martyrdom, incredible strength to stand and be a witness. That's what brought the Apostle Paul. When he saw Stephen being stoned, he could not get past. How could this man shine so bright with the glory of God? I'm a religious man all my life. I don't know God like this guy does. There's something wrong with this. And God used it as a thorn in his side until he came to Christ as well. So God can do that. Let's just lift our voices. I pray. Would you not just listen to my prayers? Would you lift up your voice and be in prayer right now? Could we just lift up our voice for two minutes and just call out to the Lord on behalf of our brothers and sisters as the Lord leads you before we go? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you gather just like this in the midst of those who name the name of Jesus. And Lord, we just take our eyes off of ourselves and our petty problems by comparison, and we lift up our eyes and our voice to our brothers and sisters around the world, many who this very moment, oh God, are enduring incredible pain. Father, just parents whose children are being ripped away from them, families being divided, families, oh God, being crucified and beheaded. Lord, those who are in other countries who are losing their jobs or, or can't find work, Lord, because of the simple fact, though they may be the best citizens in their city and the workplace, they name the name of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we lift them up today and we pray for grace. We pray for grace. We pray for miraculous deliverance, oh God, for many, Lord, who are being set upon by the enemy. Lord, may you just continue to, to, to just uh, mess up, O oh God, the snares of the enemy. May you bring many deliverances, O oh God. And I pray, Father, provision for those who in the natural have no way to provide. May they continue to see the faithfulness of their God. And may those around them, O oh God, continue to see the joy with which they serve you and recognize their need for the same Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray, O oh God, today for those whom you have marked for your glory to give their lives. I pray whoever they may be today around this world, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, may your spirit of peace and of strength and of joy, Lord, be upon them today, Lord, to face that end. Looking forward to seeing you, but may their faces shine, O oh God, that those around them may see that they know the living God, and they too may be drawn to him. And Lord, I pray for each one here in this room today. I pray, O oh God, as we consider what our brothers and sisters give around the world, Father, give us strength 
to stand ourselves. Forgive us, O oh God, for our weakness. Forgive us for our compromise. Forgive us, O oh Lord, for selling out so oftentimes at the slightest, the slightest glimpse of opposition or persecution or malignment. I pray, O oh Father, may we be just buttressed by the strength of others. And Lord, recognize that we too need to stand in Canada in grace and humility and love and kindness. But we need to stand and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is worth it to follow Jesus. Whatever the enemy may bring against me, whatever my workplace, oh God, may bring against me, it is worth it to shine for Jesus that people may see that he is alive, that he is real, and they may turn to him as well. So Lord, on this day that we set aside, I pray, move in our hearts as well. Move in our hearts, oh God, to examine our hearts, to be a people, Lord, that we stand for you. And if not, I pray again for courage and faith and boldness. I pray today, oh God, that our faith would be in the crucible. Lord, that it would be genuine. It would not just be some facade. It would not just be some kind of North American lifestyle. I pray, oh God, may we determine today that we will stand for Jesus against the enemy, oh God, and we will serve you, and we will be a light in this increasingly dark day in which we live, that many may come to know you, as we know that many will. But Lord, let us shine bright for you, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.